get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, breaking down District 4 activities week in, week out. My name is Brandon Bainey, and I have no words to describe what my co-host is up to this week, so let's just bring him in. What's going on? I tell you what, when you are the dad to little girls, your nails are always sparkly, your makeup's always on point, and your hair is always did. And, uh, you know, when you texted me today and said, hey, let's shoot in about 30 minutes, we were in the middle of a makeup session. And uh, I thought, you know what, there's no way that this is going to get ready (laughs) in 30 minutes. And so Pennywise is who we are today. Pennywise with a black eye. So, and these are my makeup artists. Yes. So uh, for those that are watching the video version of this at IdahoSports.com's YouTube channel or Facebook page, you'll be able to see what we're talking about here. For those that are listening, audio only, IdahoSports.com and wherever you download your podcasts. Uh, Scott, you're you're on holiday break, obviously, and, and both of your daughters are on break from school, right? <laughs> yep, they are. And they're not they're not on break from dad, though. That's right. Uh, so, being a girl dad, tell you what, got to do these things. Yeah. So you've got a couple of makeup artists supplying your clown makeup there. You look, yeah, you look good. You've got the red nose. You've got the streaks down to your face. And uh, yeah, you're going as Pennywise today. Of course, the famous clown from It. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, here you are, man. This is a this is a new one. Now you you said you got a black eye. Is that a legitimate black eye or is it just makeup? No, it's a makeup black eye. So it's a very well done by uh, by Avery. Okay, and I had to ask because last year you came on the prep cast for a couple of weeks with a with a pretty good shiner, a real one. Yes, so. I did. I was actually in. I was actually working out of my garage and dropped a freaking weight on my head. Got me right there, blackened a couple of my eyes. So that was that was a lot of fun. So no, this one is uh this one's not real. Um, it's it's a uh, pure holiday magic and movie magic. Yeah, it looks good. Well, speaking of black eyes, the Oakley girls basketball team delivered a pretty good black eye to Raft River wow. uh, last wow. week, and we will talk about that in a moment. But first, I wanted to get your thoughts on how the annual uh, Jerry Callen. A memorial tournament, right? In Jerome. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, it was, it was a great turnout. Great, uh, great tournament. Jerry Callen is a longtime uh, supporter in Jerome. And so that, and he passed away. Everybody called him Papa Callen. And uh, just one of those figureheads in a community that, you know, had done so much for, you know, kind of the community, a lot of it financial um, and helped out in a lot of ways. So the tournament's named after him. Uh, still has tons of family uh, in the area. Um, in fact, uh, the Highlands girls basketball coach, Aubrey Callen, uh, is one of the grandkids. And matter of fact, when I was coaching girls varsity basketball, she was on my team. And so the Callens run deep. So the tournament um, was a kind of a round robin format. And we had uh, COVID has really kind of changed things a lot uh, because a lot of tournaments you've had to rebuild since COVID. And this was one of them. You know, we had COVID, we had a coaching change, we had uh, an administrative change and we had everything going on. And so we had to rebuild this tournament. And so we turned it into right now, and we're going to grow it 
even more. Uh, it was a six-team round robin tournament. And uh, we uh, played some games on Friday night, had three-point contests and, and hot shot competitions and gave out prizes and played Christmas music. And, you know, and I think a lot of people are going to walk away from this tournament remembering more than just the games that were played, right? And that's kind of what we're trying to build. And so we are going to grow this thing and have tons of fun. And so I think the teams that showed up had a blast. And uh, surprisingly, we had a team go undefeated. Mountain Home went undefeated. But there was another team that went undefeated and even dominated more. And it was the, I don't know, I don't want to say it's the last team you'd guess. But, I mean, here we are with uh, some 4As, a couple of 3As. And then all of a sudden, a last-second entry is 1A Grace. And so Grace shows up, and we're like, okay, Grace, let's see what you got. And I think they got put up against either Valley View or no, Filer right away. And uh, next thing you know, Grace dismantled Filer by 20. And I'm like, holy crap, okay, well, bad game, good game. You know, you never know how those things go. So they go to their second game, and, and uh, they – just blaze through whoever they played. And so I'm thinking, well, now hold on a minute. This Grace team is really good, but can they beat Jerome? And so the final game of the entire tournament was going to be Jerome versus Grace. And so this was going to be for all the marbles. We had the trophy sitting on the table and, uh, you know, made the announcement. I mean, of course, I'm on the mic for everything. And and uh, said, oh, this is the last game, and the winner gets this trophy and whatever, whatever, and started off kind of a good battle. And I tell you what, that Grace team flexed a little muscle and took off. And uh, you know how you watch some teams and you just look at them and you say, you know what, that team just gets it. That's kind of what you say about Grace. I mean, they had all the pieces. They had a sharpshooter. They had a ball handler. Uh, they had a couple of big girls. But everyone seemed to understand what they were doing on the floor. They were fundamentally sound. They took care of the basketball. And as a result, they were the Jerry Callen Memorial Tournament champions. Little Grace. So congratulations to them. But it was a ton of fun. Yeah, so Grace uh, beat Filer, like you said, 67 to 42. Then they beat Gooding, 53 to 29. And I think on the original schedule you sent me, Scott, Jerome hosts this event every year. I think on the original schedule you sent me, Grace was supposed to play Valley View, right? Did you switch that? to? I make did. I okay. did. Because once we realized how good Grace was, we got to like we got to rearrange this schedule. I mean, Valley View was a little a little down this year. And so uh, they were going to get absolutely clobbered by Grace. And Jerome, on the other hand, was playing really well. They hadn't lost. And so we're like, well, let's get the two best teams playing each other in the final game of the tournament and uh, that's that's not any discredit to mountain home who went three and zero, but there's a different three and zero versus what mountain home did versus what grace did right so um we had them play each other in the final we called an audible and then uh holy cow grace said all right fine doesn't matter who you throw in front of us we'll, we'll take care of you <laughs> Yeah, Grace. Kyle Christensen's a great coach. They won the 1A D1 state championship just two years ago. Didn't even make it to state last year because they're in a three-team district that gets one bid to state. Mm -hmm. And they went, they went like, you know, 20 and four last year, but Butte County went, you know, 22 and 0. <laughs> and so they just yeah. they missed out on state last. You can tell this is a group that's motivated to get back 
uh, to try and uh, take out Lapway, the reigning 1AD1 champs. It kind of looks like Lapway yeah. and Grace are headed on this collision course in, in 1AD1 girls basketball. So, Oh, absolutely. I mean, Grace is, you know, nine and three on the season, losses to close one to Westside um, la- lately, and they've lost two of their three to Westside. The other one was to Soda. So, I mean, this is a, a pretty solid team. So I know it's not in the Magic Valley, but they, they kind of came and, made a name here in the magic valley over the last weekend so yes and yet at 1a d1 basketball on the girls side there's a ton of magic valley teams that are looking at me going lapway and grace huh have you have you seen <laughs> have you seen who's playing in district four in 1a d1 basketball shoshone 10 and 1 carry 8 and 1 oakley 8 and 2 murta 8 and 3 all of those teams by the way also undefeated in league play Oh boy, 2023 is going to be must-watch basketball night in, night out in that league. And we've talked about this for a couple of weeks in a row. The team I wanted mm-hmm. to spotlight this week, last week we kind of spotlighted Lighthouse Christian a little bit. The team I wanted to spotlight this week is Oakley because the Hornets, out of the gate to start the season, or pretty early on in the season, had to play their rivals from Raft River. It was a game that was technically a non-conference game. It didn't count mm-hmm. in the standings or anything like that. And Raft River won pretty convincingly. 48 to 27 was the final score. And mm-hmm. we're thinking, yeah. boy. Well, yeah, you know, and, and we talked a little bit about that um, last week where this just gauntlet of a conference is just ridiculous. And not ha- having 10 teams and only the second game came, well, it kind of, makes you think a little bit. How do teams approach that first game? Do they show all their cards or do they keep something a little bit hidden or what do they do? You know, and so I, I talked with the head coach, Matt Payton, this week and, and um, you know, he said, no, we just, we try to win every game. He goes, that particular game, Rap River, and it was at their place, uh, first game back from Thanksgiving break. He said, they shot the ball well, played pretty good. And, and he said, we, we played like we brought a knife to a gunfight type deal. And it's just like we were outmatched. We didn't play well. We got, got out hustle. I mean, the whole nine yards. And so it wasn't like they were trying to hold back. It's just that they just got outplayed, you know. And so they they went back and fixed a couple of things. And the second time around, they played better defense. They matched their physicality. Um, and next thing you know, they they got the win. And that was the one that counted. And it was funny talking to, to <laughs> Coach Payton is he shared his thoughts on a lot of things with me. And I can't go into a lot of them, um, but there were a lot of subjects <laughs> that were discussed, uh, including shot clocks and max preps and, and the, the state birth bids and the whole nine yards. But I tell you what, I mean, I appreciated his candor and, and his willingness to talk with us. And, you know, and, and of course, I'm not going to share everything he said, but um, he's making some good, good points because one of the things that we talked about last week and you just alluded to it is that conference has got a ton of winning teams right now. And how many get to go to state Brandon? One, one and a half. I don't know. I mean, it's, you put me on the spot. I'll look, I'll yeah, look yeah, it up so, for you. You're, 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 <laughs> the, you're the all knowing. I thought you knew the answer. <laughs> well, well, when I forget, I always go to you. Yeah. Uh, so, but not we, enough, not enough to, to, you know, satisfy that conference because there's going to be some state contenders out of that conference that are going to sit home. 
two. They get two yeah, bids. Okay, two, yeah. And and we just rattled off how many awesome teams, six of them. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a real strong point of discussion. And, you know, some of the stuff that we talked about is that they get two berths while Boise still gets a ton of teams. And, I mean, look at how well our conference has done in the past. And it, it, there's going to be a lot of people screaming about what's going to take place in February. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – and, and the same thing happened last year. Uh, it was less teams, right, because you didn't have Kerry and Castle Ford and, and Hanson. But uh, it, it's it's exactly the same thing happened last year where there were a lot of good teams. Murtaugh ended kind of up be, being the odd team out last year. Um, they they want to avoid that fate this year, but, man, there's a lot of teams standing in line to, to try and punch their tickets. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting. Um, so, yes, so Oakley – after losing to Raft River in the non-conference game uh, right after Thanksgiving, as you said, Scott, they played mm-hmm. last week and Oakley rebounded with a 41 to 34 win. And that was the game that counted because that counted in the league standings. And they have since followed that up with a win last night over Butte County, the team that made the final four last year in one AD one out of the same conference Grace is in. They won that pretty easily 53 to 38. So yeah. it's an Oakley team that's, uh, you know, they're playing really well and, and you want to, you know, talk about scores and compare Oakley only has two losses this year, the loss to Rap river. We just talked about, and then they hosted grace on December 3rd and only lost by four 32 mm-hmm. to 28. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Oakley may have something to say about, you know, their ability to hang with grace. Cause they certainly can, but this Oakley team, you know, they can do something that a lot of other, you know, one, a teams can't do, and that's go eight or nine deep. You know, you can't find a lot of teams, you know, 1A through 4A that can go eight or nine deep. Um, but this is a team that really can. I mean, they're led by, you know, their their post, uh, Fallon Bedke. You know, she had 10 points against Draft River. And, and they also have a, a girl on the wing who had 10 points, and Addie Mitten. You know, so they, they've got some players. But the cool thing that makes Oakley really good is their depth. You know, they can just keep fresh legs they can they can get after you with uh pressing i mean because that's one thing people i think don't understand sometimes is like well you're so fast whatever why don't you press all game well have you ever tried to press all game i mean these kids are not machines and so you know if you are a pressing team you've got to have some depth number one and if you don't you're going to struggle to put full court pressure on on teams um at the same time you've got to know how to pull back the reins and let your kids rest, you know, when to slow it down and go into half court sets, when to use your timeouts and, and manage a game that way um, when you don't have depth. Um, but Oakley does, and that's allowing them to do some things um, that uh, other teams can't do. So, you know, this is a team that could go deep into the playoffs and, you know, first they got to get out of that conference, but uh, this is a really good basketball team. Yeah, so I got to talk uh, with Matt Payton, the Oakley coach. Last year, I, I was the broadcaster for the 1AD1 Girls State Tournament, and obviously Oakley made it last year, so I got to talk to him. And yeah, you're right. he uh, He's a great guy to talk to. I really yeah. like his dry sense of humor. He's got, a, he's got a pretty good sense of humor about stuff. He was talking about last year. Uh, basically, he told the team like, hey, uh, we can either, you know, go to state or I can go on vacation with my family and I'd much rather be with you guys. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, he, the guy's a character. I mean, he yeah. just, 
you know, when our when we were talking back and forth and emailing back and forth, that you know, some of his little comments were just so, like you said, dry and funny. That uh, it's just like, oh man, I wish I could say this. Oh, I can't say that. Oh, can I? Well, no, I better not. <laughs> yeah, big big fan of Coach Peyton uh, yep. for sure, and uh, his his daughter Hope Peyton. Uh, you know, runs, runs things at the point and she had missed a season with a knee injury. She had missed an entire season with a knee injury and and had come back. So yeah, it's been, it's been building for a while out there in Oakley. Uh, I'm going to diverge just for a quick second out of the magic Valley could, because you talked about the shot clock, right. And how that's mm-hmm. being implemented. Have you found that a lot of teams in the magic Valley have put that in yet, or are they waiting until next year when they have to, you know, I, I don't think you could have timed that question any better. Uh, simply because right now, this very second, the shot clocks, clocks are being installed at my school right now. I was down there this morning, uh, kind of letting them in, uh, helping them out, doing whatever. Um, and right before the podcast uh, that we came on the air, I had to run back to my office because I forgot my microphone and uh, sneaked in the back door because this was happening and uh, peeked into the gym and they're still working on the shot clocks, getting them up. So I think what, uh, at least around here, the company that's doing it is scheduling a lot of installations between now and the end of the basketball season, because I think they want to get them up there um, before spring hits. And so we're getting ours ours put in now. Um, Not thrilled about it. And as a lot of teams are not very thrilled about the shot clocks. I mean, we did a podcast on this a little while ago, but they're going in, whether we like them or not. Now, with it being in, are you going to use it this year, or are you going to wait to get the offseason, train somebody, find somebody that can do it reliably, mm-hmm. or are you going to are you going to start running it? Um, I think we're going to hold off. I mean, I think our our basketball coaches will have a lot to say about that um, if they want to try it later in the season in a non conference game, maybe. But uh, the the big thing is what you just said we got to find somebody that can run it. You know, we got to find somebody that can pay attention. And and then see the thing about the shot clock and just to recap what we talked about before is like from a fan's standpoint, the shot clock is awesome. It's like, Hey, yeah, shot clock. Great. Well, from an administrator standpoint, it's not awesome because a it's expensive. It is super expensive to buy and to install. So, I mean, we're talking, I mean, and and if the state is going to require this, which they are from one A's up to five A's, the installation alone is right around $5,000. I mean, and now all of a sudden you've got these one A schools trying to come up with five grand to install shot clocks. And that's not even talking about the hardware and the clock itself that you have to buy. Okay. So there's another thousand, at least, you know, we paid a thousand for ours. And then now you got to hire somebody completely separate game help that is only for shot clock. So that adds one more person that you a have to find and they are in short supply anyway, B you've got to pay them for a completely new job um, for next year. And so this little venture is expensive. And, and I, and I hope people understand that when, when administrators kind of are like, you know what, we're not a big fan of it. And here's why. You know, and a lot of the commissioners that we talk to, they're not big fans of it either, you know. Um, and, I, and I think I can share this. Uh, you know, Coach Payton's not a big fan of it either. You know, uh, it's like 
I, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase what he said. Um, <laughs> he said that the, the clock operator should only have to push the button times a game. I mean, for reals. Um, I mean, normally there's a turnover in girls basketball every 15 seconds. So it's going to be a, a, a non-factor in a lot of games, you know? So I know he's not a fan of it, and I know a lot of coaches are not a fan of it, but they've been mandated by the state to do it. Yeah, I, I brought up that question because I, you know, where I live in East Idaho, a lot of schools have already put it in. You know, some schools were really excited about it and got got them in in the summer, even like mm-hmm. last May or June. Uh, Grace, for example, has a shot clock in their gym already as a 1A school. Uh, last night, Scott, I did a, a girls basketball game between Shelly and Skyline, which, by the way, was fantastic. Shelly's the number one team in the coaches poll right now. And for good reason, they're 10 and one in 4A girls basketball. Uh, they beat Skyline 70 to 68 in overtime. And so we're getting down to the end of regulation and Shelly's got the lead. And even in overtime, Shelly's got the lead and they're continuing to run their offense and put up shots. And I said on the air during the broadcast, I said, you know, fans might be wondering, you know, why doesn't Shelly take the air out of the ball a little bit and, you know, just hold on to this lead because they're, they're putting up quick shots and that's allowing Skyline to go back down the other way. And I said, well, because even though Shelly doesn't have a shot clock yet next year, they will. And you're not going to be able to do this. So they're already just trying to instill that mode of, hey, we still got to go out and get a bucket. So to me, it's even changed the way some coaches are coaching games this year, even if they don't have the shot clock at their specific school yet. No, that's a good point. I mean, I'm, I'm sure some schools and, you know, you hit on Shelly and I don't. And do you think they're doing that intentionally trying to get their players ready? I think so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so you're going to find some coaches that, you know, they do see into the future a little bit and realize, you know what, we can argue and fight all this all we want, but let's see if we can play that style and get somewhat used to it because, you know, it, it may or may not affect certain teams. Certain teams run sets, you know, rather than offenses, you know, like a motion offense. I mean, if you want to take the air out of the basketball, yeah, you can run a motion offense till cows come home. It's not going to matter. But if you're running sets and quick hitters and those kinds of things, shot clock's not going to matter to you, you know? So, and and I'm really interested to see how the technical side of things go as well, because talking to, you know, basketball commissioners, they do college games all the time and they're around and they're like, you know what? The biggest problem we have is the technical aspect of it. All of a sudden it, it malfunctions or, you know, something goes wrong and now the game is held up and the flow is interrupted and, and they said that's one of the biggest problems they've had with shot clocks, even at the collegiate level. Yeah, my understanding, just talking to a couple of people about it, is the way the clock communicates with the board that is controlled. It's it's a wireless connection, right? And so yeah, any anytime you're doing anything wirelessly, there's a chance that it could get interrupted, right? Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see how this thing plays out next year. I mean it. The landscape of basketball is going to be a whole lot different in Idaho next year, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, we'll get back on topic here. We kind of, we kind of veer, <laughs> veered off the path for a second, but it was a timely discussion, I thought. so. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, all right. So we, we spotlighted a good girls basketball team in Oakley. We're going to stay at the 1A D1 level. We're going to stay in that same conference, but we're going to switch over to boys basketball and, and talk about a team that hasn't gotten a lot of fanfare this year, but very quietly. Uh, you know, they're off to a five and two start. 
Um, and that is uh, the Glens Ferry Pilots. And they're actually six and three. I undersold them a little bit. Um, so uh, Glens Ferry last week goes to the Raleigh Lincoln Memorial Tournament in Wilder. Scott, do you know anything about this tournament that's held in Wilder every year? I, I really don't. Um, it's I know it's been going on for for some years and a lot of the you know smaller schools you know look forward to it because they get to see a ton of different competition uh, that they're not used to. But uh, that's a, that's about it. Yeah, so it's a pretty cool deal. Deal actually. Raleigh Lincoln uh, was the longtime announcer for the football, boys basketball, girls basketball games at Wilder. You know, like starting in like the seventies, the mid seventies. And he announced for, you know, 30 plus years, but he also starting in 1972 started keeping stats for the wilder football, boys, basketball, girls, basketball teams. And he kept really good stats. And so because of that, wilder is able to look back at previous records and stuff like that and have a pretty good idea of, okay, this is, this is our school record. Like some schools, you know, for example, Shelly <laughs> last night, Brinley Cannon, uh, Shelly's great point guard who is committed to BYU. Uh, she scored 39 points. And I was like, is that a school record? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> we, we, we'd have to go. I don't know. We're going to have to call up Indiana Jones to see if we can go find out. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but, it's nice to have a historian among the ranks there that can kind of get everybody straight. We have one at our place too, but I did not know that that's who Raleigh Lincoln was. That's pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. So, and he, he passed away, uh, I think 2008, 2009, something like that. So they've held this tournament every year. They do a girls tournament first. And then the next weekend they do a boys, uh, kind of a cool deal. But anyways, Glenn's Ferry goes over, they go three, and know, come home with the championship. Great weekend of basketball for the pilots. Yeah. Uh, first year head coach, Jared Lemieux. I mean, you know, and the thing about, uh, this Glenn's Ferry team and coach Lemieux is that he got trained up really well. Um, and he's doing a, a great job in his first year. And, you know, our conversations this week were, you know, I'm kind of asking, you know, what, what have you learned in your first year? Kind of, uh, things that you would do different. I mean, all this kind of just philosophical stuff that I love to talk about, but, uh, you know, he, he was, um, really appreciative of coach Nate Jones, who he was an assistant under and also coached him, you know, so he, he kind of came up, uh, being raised right in the coaching, you know, fraternity, um, by a really good one. And so, uh, you know, we talked about, uh, some of the lessons that a first year coach has to go through because I mean, anybody that's coached has always been obviously a first year coach. We all did it. And I look back at my first year and, and I'm like, my goodness, what a buffoon I was. I mean, what an idiot. I mean, some of the stuff I did, the way that I reacted, I mean, I, I look at that person and go, man, I didn't know anything. And, uh, and I look, you know, 25 plus years later of coaching, it's like, doesn't even resemble, you know, what I used to be. And so I loved having that discussion. And one of the things that stuck out to me uh, with coach Lemieux is when he said something along the lines of the biggest lesson I've learned is in communication. And he goes, whether it's players, administration, parents, assistants, officials, you got to know how to communicate. And, and me being a, a communication major uh, in college and a communication guy, I mean, I was all over that because that's a lesson that I have seen so many 
young coaches not get. Because how many times have you had some dummy parent say, why aren't they do? I could coach a team better than that or what? You know, that kind of stupid stuff. I mean, you may know X's and O's, but if you can't communicate them and you can't get people on the same page as you, it doesn't matter how much you know. You know, and that's a lesson that a lot of times young coaches don't learn uh, until they get into it. And this was something that um, that Jared said right away. It's just like, man, like, communication is key. And so I thought that was a very good sign of maturity um, for a young coach, especially in his first year. Yeah, there's the old saying, right? You have to have not only the X's and O's, but the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Mm -hmm. and, but you have to be able to blend those two together. Yeah as well and there's there's some coaches like even like i watch college basketball you know this week i'm a big ucla fan and they played kentucky this past weekend in college hoops and john calipari all he does is stand on the sidelines game and you can tell his players aren't you know you have to approach every player differently it's almost like being a boss of a company you have to approach cool. every employee differently some some you can be harsh with some you got to have the softer approach and like even college coaches don't get it sometimes. Yeah, no, I mean, it is such a crucial element of coaching that, that people just forget sometimes that, um, I mean, it's the same thing with teaching too. I mean, teaching, you can know your content, but if you don't have the personality to relay and communicate these messages, it's going to get lost and coaching is the exact same way. So a lot of the great young coaches are learning that lesson quickly and Coach Lemieux is no different, you know, and that's what's making Glens Ferry and that community. Um, he said, we, they said they've got a really good community vibe going. Well, and that's because of a, a personality and communication and getting everybody on the same page and success, you know, and I've always believed in, and taught coaches that I train or clinics that I speak at or whatever. I go, winning is the byproduct of doing things the right way you do things the right way and that includes communication then the wins and losses take care of themselves and it seems to me that you know based on what i learned this week that this young coach is getting it yeah there's a new girls basketball coach at glens ferry this year as well kelly uh or excuse me carly uh mccone and kelly mccone is the uh, the athletic director uh but carly was a player for Glens Ferry not that long ago and went and played in college and now has come back to her, her old high school to, to lead the way there. So we might have to check in with coach McCone and uh, the Glens Ferry girls at some point too, because you're right. We're kind of seeing this culture. We talked about it last week with lighthouse Christian, right? It's kind of all new faces that are leading this, uh, this change. And it's kind of the same thing at Glens Ferry as well. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I'm going to be honest with you, your last two sentences, I don't know what you said. <laughs> I was uh -oh. directing my daughter out of the light because <laughs> she was casting <laughs> a shadow. <laughs> I thought I thought my uh, maybe I froze up or something and you didn't hear me, but okay. Uh, no, we. I, I was just saying, we, we talked last week about Lighthouse Christian and how they've got kind of all new people in leadership positions and they're kind of leading a new approach and same things happening at Glens Ferry with, they've got a new girls basketball coach this year as well. Uh, Carly McCone, who right. uh, didn't play, you know, played for Glens Ferry not that long ago. She just wrapped up her college playing career. And so it's nice to see her come back to her old high school as well. And um, we might have to check in with her maybe down the line as well with the Glens Ferry girls. Absolutely. Absolutely. Basketball program. So, 
All right, cool. Uh, one last note before we get, get out of here in girls basketball. I did want to just say really quick, there was a really fun game on Monday night. And maybe we can talk about it more down the line, but uh, Carrie and Richfield played each other on Monday night in girls hoops. And uh, Carrie, of course, now a 1-8-D-1 program. Richfield, a 1-8-D-2. Wouldn't surprise me if both these teams get to their respective state tournaments. Goes to overtime, and Carrie gets a 43-40 to win. And that was at Richfield. So congrats to Coach Sears and Carey for getting a good overtime win over a really good Richfield team. It was a fun game to watch on Monday night. So, Oh, I yeah. bet. We talk about uh, that Tobacco Road series, right, um, with those guys. And there's going to be some battles because those are two quality 1A teams. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Well, Scott, with the holidays upon us, you know, next week is, is kind of a there, – there's some holiday tournaments going on and stuff, but um, – in terms of actual things to talk about results wise, kind of a lighter week. So, yep. uh, you know, we'll probably take next week off if that's okay. I'll let you enjoy your holiday break a little bit. Fine. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> That'll be fine. Yeah. We'll, we'll give it a break and then, uh, come back at the, what, I don't even know what the date would be. Um, come back first week of January. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. For the and new then, year. So yeah. And then we'll get after it. 2023 style. Yeah, we'll have lots of holiday tournament action uh, to talk about and to recap. If you want to see where your favorite team is playing uh, next week between Christmas and New Year's, uh, just go to idahosports.com and look at your favorite team's schedule on our homepage. And so, Scott, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you, Brandon. And, and I hope things are going well up north. Penny, Pennywise and uh, his, his elves. Uh, well, yeah, I've got a mini penny, mini, I, mini penny wise here. And then, and then this one here is normal ish, <laughs> normal ish, <laughs> right? Okay. Scott, well, you have fun. Uh, happy holidays. Um, enjoy the rest of 2022 and we'll see you back here in 2023 for another edition of the magic Valley prep cast on IdahoSports.com. Merry Christmas. Bye. Happy Halloween. <laughs>